Hello, I am your host, Lincoln. You are listening to Behind in the Count, episode seven. And boy, do we have a good one for you. So it's been about a week since you've heard my beautiful masculine voice. Um, It's finals week. Uh, So with that, I don't have as much time to work on this podcast. So for the next couple of weeks, um, we are just going to roll with one episode a week, which will drop for the next two Tuesdays, okay? And uh, we got a lot of baseball to talk about. So I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time talking about the big storylines from last week. I'm going to focus a lot of my time just talking some crew, okay? So I am going to spend some time shitting on the Reds and, and their historically terrible start to the season, okay? Um, the Bell, who called it? I called it if you listened to my last episode. Um, the Bell, celebrations, it's back. We got some roster moves, some uh, Keston Hira talk, Mike Brasso's back, McCutcheon's on the COVID list, and Aaron Ashby suffered from springtime allergies. Um, Are the Brewers the best team in baseball? And do the Yankees play in a Little League ballpark? All that and more coming up. You are listening to Behind in the Count. Let's go. Today is Tuesday, May 10th. You're listening to Behind in the Count. Uh, you already know that, but go follow us on Twitter. It's at B-I-T-C underscore podcast. Or go follow me at uh, Big Smart Bison, okay? If you want to get involved with the show, you want to tweet at me, whatever. You want to talk about something. You want to join the podcast. You got to follow us on Twitter, okay? Um, I am back in my Subaru legacy, okay? So the last time I recorded a podcast from my Subaru legacy, it was the very first episode. I'm back in it. Um, I'm in the church parking lot again. It's, it's 10 o'clock at night on a, on a Monday, and it's really, really eerie here in Eau Claire. So we had some, some thunderstorms roll in. And as I'm saying this, like I, I'm looking to my left, and I, I see a big cloud of fog rolling from the Chippewa River and uh, a car just turned off his lights in the far section of the church parking lot and when I pulled in here I mean it's it's 9 30 no one's I mean driving in this church parking lot there's no services going on but right before I pulled in the car who was driving in front of me pulled in and I pulled in right after him um he went through the church parking lot I'm assuming this could have been a, a drug deal with this guy who just turned off his lights and now he's, I'm going to fucking turn my keys. Where are my keys? I'm turning my keys on and I am going to lock, I'm going to lock in the legacy. Okay. I mean, uh, it's a little sketchy, not going to lie. I, I can't really tell if this truck is still parked there because the fog's rolled in, but um, yeah, if I die, it's because it, I'm calling it, it's this pickup truck who just turned off his lights because the fog rolled in it's just me and him in this parking lot right now all right but um i'm risking my life here to talk some baseball okay so i hope you all appreciate it my battery might die here but i am safe my subaru legacy 2013 sports edition is locked all right uh let's get started here let's talk some baseball so i'm gonna kind of work chronologically here okay 
Um, so I know you guys listening right now, you might want me to talk about maybe the series with Atlanta and maybe even the game from last night, uh, the loss to the Cincinnati Reds on the road. I will get to that later, um, but right now, let's go chronologically, okay? I'm going to spend a little bit of time shitting on the Reds. And I know if you're listening to this right now and you are a big baseball fan, you've probably already heard all the stats out there. You know, the Cincinnati Reds off to one of the worst starts to a season ever in Major League history, okay? But the Reds do um, split a series against the Pirates. So just another really, really bad team in our division. Uh, One of the games in that series did get rained out, so no one's going to defeat Mother Nature, but um, they defeated us last night. So maybe the Reds, maybe the Reds are coming back, but we've all heard how bad they've been um, to start the season. So they became the first team to lose 21 out of its first 24 games. And the last time this happened was in 1994. Okay. So let's, let's clap it up a bit. I mean, I mean, losing like this is difficult to do. Losing like this is difficult to do. I mean, it, it's historic. It's rare. And we're seeing history b- before our eyes, at least um, for the first month and a week of the, of the season. Maybe it'll start rolling. Who knows? But um, you hear people when we're talking about March Madness brackets. No one's ever had a perfect March Madness bracket. And I've heard some analysts out there say, you know, it's even more difficult to get every single game wrong in, in your bracket. And I don't know the statistics to that. I don't know if it's true. But um, so predicting games wrong is very difficult. And the Reds are losing at a historic clip. So this is something that is worth worth to talk about a little bit here to start the podcast, even though, yes, this is five days old. I get it. Um, a historically bad start to the season. Here's the silver lining for Reds fans, okay? Um, the 19, the, correction, the 1899 Cleveland Spiders, okay? Obviously not around anymore. They lost 134 out of their 154 games they played that season. They are regarded uh, in the history books as being one of the worst baseball teams of all time. And there, you know, we've heard the big red machine in, in the 70s and 80s. Like good teams get nicknames, but but one thing we don't hear a lot is is bad teams and even mediocre teams getting these types of nicknames. Nicknames are things that you think of for the greats. This Cleveland Spiders team, they earned this nickname of the the sorriest, the sorriest shell of a team ever seen in the major leagues the sorriest shell of a team ever seen in the major leagues, okay? So the ball club lost 24 games in a row and had six losing streaks of 11 or more losses. That's just bizarre to me, okay? Their final record put them 84 games behind the best team in baseball, which ended up being the Dodgers, and they won 101 games that season, okay? And let's just put this into perspective here. Um, Obviously, the Brewers won the NL Central last year with a final record of 94 and 67. 94 and 67. The Pirates last year, one of the worst teams in baseball. They finished in last place in the division, but they only finished 34 games behind the crew with a final record of 61 and 134. Now, I only say 
34 games behind the crew because get this. Now, let's play with history here. Um, the 19, that correction, 1899, the Spiders, if they joined the 2021 NL Central Division race last year, the Pirates would have finished 41 games ahead of the Spiders. 41 games ahead. I mean, that's amazing to me that in, in just, I mean, I know the Cleveland Spiders only played 154 games, so they didn't have the opportunity to lose even more ball games if it was a uh, modern 162-game series. But, uh, yeah, just a terrible team, and I'm going to keep rolling with this. So we're staying positive here, Reds fans, right? I don't know any Reds fans. I hope they're doing okay. Um, maybe they are now that they've beat the crew. But um, this is a local Cleveland sports writer, okay? His name is Elmer Bates. He wrote a list of good points while he was covering this historically terrible team. So imagine this guy. Imagine uh, Reds fans this season. Um, maybe you got a podcast like me, and you got to muster up these negative stories on and on and on throughout the entire season. You're trying to find a silver lining. It's got it's got to be tiring for a fan. I, I know as a Brewers fan, we've seen some some troubling seasons. Um, not much in the last ten years, but we know how it feels too. So this is what Elmer Bates had to say about good points while covering the uh, Cleveland Spiders in 1899. Okay, so <laughs> maybe Reds fans could relate to this list. He said. Defeated, do not disturb one sleep. Defeated, do not um, disturb one sleep. Okay, I got another car rolling in behind me. Um, Minnesota plates just rolled in and now he's rolling out. I can't see the pickup truck, so I'm assuming I'm okay and I'm going to continue. So, I mean, I've lost sleep over wins before, right? I think of the Dodgers one game away from the World Series, but um, once you get losing so much, uh, it just becomes natural. It's not going to disturb your sleep, okay? Um, so right now, maybe for the crew, for the past month, it's been winning. We're not losing sleep over just losses. I mean, we've been winning so much. Bates also had to say, this is another highlight from this terrible season. He said, an occasional victory is a surprise and a delight. A surprise and a delight, like a win is is something that's that's gifted from the Greek gods and and given upon you if you do not sin. It just seems kind of goofy to me, but I mean, yeah, if if you lose so many baseball games, a victory does seem like a surprise. Um, Bates, he also had to say there is no danger of any club passing you. Cincinnati Reds fans, you're in last place in in the division. Nobody's going to pass you. You are safe and sound where you are. Okay. Finally, this is the last thing Bates ha had to say about good things about uh, this terrible season. He said, you are not asked 50 times a day what was the score. People just assume you lost. So when you're covering a baseball team, you're, everyone who knows you know that you know the score of the game. And for Bates, uh, people got off his, his ass because people stopped asking him because they're losing so much. So Reds fans, it can get worse. So soak it up. Right now, you are in a good place. And I'm going to quickly put in my two cents about uh, Reds fans right now. Um, I got an interview. We got Isaiah Lenz on. Isaiah was at the absolute ass-whooping of a game where the Brewers scored 18 runs. Isaiah is going to talk some more about what he saw at the game, okay? Um, but 
if you've played baseball, even in Little League, I played some Little League. I played a little bit in high school. Um, you know that when you are stuck on a bad team, what do you do? What do you do? You, you can't add new players. You can't trade Jimmy over from the YMCA League because he sucks. You're stuck with your guys. The only thing you can do is practice. So if you're on a bad Little League team, your coach is going to say, hey, Friday afternoon, we're going to meet the batting cages. That's behind that little mini golf place, right? And we're going to iron out these fundamentals. So I believe all the Reds have to do, they have to go to the batting cage, grab some ice cream, relax, and have a little bit of fun. Um, the boys right now, um, granted, they did win today, but I'm talking more about the series last week. They look like they're not having fun playing baseball, and I get it. It's tough to have fun when you're losing so much. There's nothing to cheer about. Um, yes, the tables are slowly starting to turn. They've won two ball games this week, um, but it's got to be a little demoralizing looking at the standings and seeing your, your placement in the standings right now so early in the season. Um, but, I mean, the expectations are gone for the Reds. So your, your season's already over. You're not playing for anything. You're playing for individual accolades, and you're just playing to have fun. So I am declaring the Cincinnati Reds season. This season is 100% for the boys. This season is for the boys. You know when something bad happens in your life, maybe you get dumped or something or or you're just crummy I don't know what do you do you rally the boys you get the boys together um you do some shin digging you, you do some hood rat shit this is what the Reds is they, they got to do this otherwise I mean things will only get worse this season dedicated a hundred percent to the boys all right but I'm not done yet with this history shit okay so Bates wrote that the Spiders players were so shell-shocked about losing so much that they practiced for dear life. So, so yes, I am joking about the Cincinnati Reds needing to go practice, but maybe some of the guys, they're sticking around a little bit longer at batting practice to get things ironed out. And maybe some of their pitchers are spending more time um, in, the, in their bullpens and, and things like that. So maybe there is a little bit of truth to that uh, little silly of a statement that I wrote. But let's continue here, okay? So Cleveland, their ownership, they did not help the club as they insulted their fans the season prior. That's a big no-no. If, if you're an owner of a sports team, you want to get asses in the seats. So in the season prior, 1898, the Spiders... Not a bad season. They go 81 and 68. In the ownership, they criticized their fan base for not being supportive enough uh, during the stretch. They, they insulted them so much throughout the offseason that um, for the first 16 home games, Cleveland, their total um, attendance for, for these first 16 games, 16 games, was 3,178. Sheesh. We talk about how bad the Oakland A's attendance has been to start this season. I mean, um, the one time I, I referenced it in this podcast, I think it was below 3,000. But I mean, I'm talking about the first 16 games of a season only being 3,000. That is, that's bizarre to me. So Reds fans, watch the game. You guys beat us. I'm, I'll talk about that later. But look like you guys had more than 3,179 fans. So that's a good thing. 
this is another thing to cheer about if you are a Reds fan or, or your team's not performing well. So the final blow for this Cleveland baseball team came early in 1899. The owner, Frank Robinson, um, he bought the St. Louis Cardinals at a sheriff's auction and dedicated that that this team could could probably draw better crowds than um, in in Cleveland. So what does he do? He's got he's now an owner of two baseball teams, the Cleveland Spiders and the St. Louis Cardinals. He transfers all of Cleveland's their star players to the Cardinals. So you buy two teams, and now Cleveland's essentially this farm team to to the St. Louis Cardinals, another major league team. Um, so the Cardinals they get um, some Cy Young candidates. They get a batting champion. Jesse Burkett and, and other Spider stars, um, they were replaced by minor leaguers and some semi-pro guys. And um, other teams, they followed Robinson's lead. So imagine if this happened today. This wouldn't happen today, but you'd be criticized over and over and over. You know, owners looked around and was like, hey, that's a good idea, Frank. Um, the Brooklyn Dodgers, they bought the Baltimore Orioles. They do the same thing. The Dodgers end up absorbing all the best players um, from from Baltimore, and they even remain rename the Orioles the Superbats, the Superbats, which is kind of a slap in the face. It's it's you're not the Superbats; you're just a farm team for the Dodgers. So um, four different teams held stock in the New York Giants. The ownership of major league teams represented a jumble of conflicting allegations which resulted in weaker teams serving as farm systems for stronger ones okay so this was not a a rare thing they're they're pretty much four four minor league teams um in the in the bigs at this time uh the 1899 uh cleveland spiders happened to be one of these teams okay so they got kind of um they got kind of gutted similar to the reds last season they got gutted all the good players are gone. That's just another comparison I want to make. Um, so to start the 1899 season, it was a disastrous campaign. The Spiders' attendance on opening day, it was a doubleheader. For both games in the doubleheader, attendance was below 5,000 fans total. The Spiders' most winningest pitcher, okay? The most winningest pitcher on this terrible, terrible, terrible team was Jim Hugley. Jim Hugley. Guess how many games Jim won as a starting pitcher on the worst team in baseball? Guess how many wins? I mean, before I'd looked this up, I would have guessed, you know, the best pitcher on a really bad team probably earned at least, you know, 10 wins. You're wrong. He won four, four baseball games. Starting pitcher, he gets four wins. He also led the league in losses with 30 so he's the most winningest pitcher on the team, wins four games, also loses 30 ball games, which is a major league high. He is the Jameis Winston of the 1899 MLB season. You know, Jameis, he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. He's also going to have a lot of doy-doy plays, and he's going to throw 30 picks. All right, that's all I got on um, the Reds and the Cleveland Spiders. So um, things should get better for the Reds. I'm done shitting on them from now. I had a lot of fun with this, um, but let's talk some more ball, okay? I'm going to go through these pretty quick here. Um, this happened a while ago. 
at this point as I'm speaking now. The Brewers smashed 20 home runs in six games, their most in a six-game uh, streak in franchise history. The Brewers scored 34 runs in three games against the Cincinnati Reds, okay? So before the series started on April 28th, the Brewers sat 21st in the league in runs per game at 3.74. After this series, they jump up 19 freaking spots. 19 spots in three games to second in the league. Uh, runs per game jumps up to 4.92. Just absolutely bizarro. And uh, uh, teacher brain here, this is just some simple math. It's early in the season. Um, so statistically, teams will drastically jump up and down based on hot and cold stretches due to the smaller sample size, okay? So yes, the jump is crazy. It's only three games. We're only a month and a couple a week in the season, but still worth mentioning the small sample size. It's, it's still difficult to seize this kind of a gap, okay? And the Brewers, has, they've been helped by, by some, some superpower kind of baseball here, okay? So last week, I talked about Willie Adamas. He was the NL Player of the Week. Um, Willie, he had that huge RBI game. Similar to this week, Rowdy Telez, NL Player of the Week. We go back-to-back. Rowdy gets the franchise record in RBIs with eight. He almost could have got more if it wasn't for a almost, you know, if he hits a ball another foot um, in a game against the Reds, he would have gotten another Grand Slam. So he could have gotten even more RBIs that game than he got. He could have got 12 in one game, which is what he got for the whole week. So what, what's this tell us? A player, they have an absolutely insane game or two. They, they're probably going to win the um, Player of the Week award. At least that's what we've seen in the past couple of weeks. Okay. And I fucking called it. I called it. I called it. I called it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Go listen to my last episode. Um, fast fast forward, maybe. I don't know when I talked about it. I talked about it was one of the first things. Fast forward seven and a half minutes. I guarantee I'm talking about it. I talked about how celebrations, um, th- they don't show up in, in stat books. You know, how good is your stanky leg? How good is are your players' dances, you know? But what does show up is, um, you know, the mesh between players, the relationships that they build throughout a season, it will affect them on the field. You're stuck with the same guys for a long season. You better have some fun together. I fucking called it. The Brewers, they got their celebration. I said last episode, if the Brewers come up with a signature kind of celebration here in the next couple of weeks, get your freaking tickets to the playoffs, get your tattoos, do whatever you want. The Brewers are winning the Central. You heard it here first. The bell. The bell. It's not as schnazzy as I would have liked it. Um, it. It needs some more pizzazz, some more fireworks. You know, I hear churches ring bells every morning. It's not very exciting. So hopefully the, the players kind of uh, cling on to this thing for dear life and ring all of the wins that they can out of this this towel here, okay? So Quentin Berry, the first base coach, he gets the credit for ordering this bell. I heard he ordered it off of Amazon, and he installed it in the dugout. And, and I heard him on the radio talking to um, Josh Maurer, um, one of the radio guys for the crew, filling in for Euchre on, on road games. But 
Uh, he was saying how finding that big of a bell was very difficult to find. Uh, so the bell could have arrived to the Brewers, maybe even a series quicker if, if Quentin Barry would have just been tech savvy and would have gone straight to Amazon before, you know, looking around probably local hardware stores for a fucking bell. But nonetheless, Quentin Barry gets it done. Um, kind of similar to last year, um, you'd see guys do the Tiger in any given situations. It wasn't just a dinger thing. Uh, the first couple of games in the series, we were hitting so many bombs. I just assumed that when the players would re- re- ring the bell, I just assumed it was because they hit a home run. Uh, Barry, he explains, this is not, this is false. It's not true. A player, they could ring the bell if they make a good baseball player move. That's how he described it in this interview. So it's not just a dinger thing. So this includes maybe a heads up base running, getting out of a jam, uh, you know, just heads up kind of instinctual plays we see um, players make throughout a game. So the Brewers ring the bell a bunch against the Reds. And Willie Adamas, he actually broke the tether off of um, the bell in the series against Cincinnati. Um, I'm looking around church parking lot update here from the Subaru Legacy. The um, the pickup truck is still sitting there. The fog has risen so we could see each other. No other cars, no drug deal going on just yet. So I am safe and sound. Let's keep talking some baseball. So with the new edition of the Bell, these are all games against the Reds. First series, this is a, five days ago from Miller Park. The Brewers hit 11 home runs in the series. Bat 337, slug 731, get 13 walks, and as I mentioned before, score 34 runs. And this is all in three games, okay? So this is the new um, edition of the bell. This is what celebrations do. This is what I tried to talk about last episode, and maybe you didn't listen to me. Well, guess what? I was fucking right. Um, I just learned today, obviously, Brewers were on a big road series here. Um, I think it's a nine-gamer. We're going to come back to Miller Park for a series, and then we're going to jump to the West Coast. So we have a long stretch, not many home games. I was wondering to myself, is this Bell going to make it um, make it on the road? And yes, it does. They brought it to Atlanta. I'm sure it's in Cincinnati if it made it through TSA checkout um, at the airport. But the Bell, it's back. Um, get your tattoos now, blah, 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 blah. You get my point. We got some roster moves to talk about it. Andrew McCutcheon, he gets the Coco. He's out with COVID on the 10-day COVID list. Um, so he tests positive on Saturday. He returned back to the hotel. Um, so this happened on the road. I'm not really sure where Kutch is. I tried to look this up on Twitter today. I couldn't find out. So I hope he's not stuck in Atlanta, stuck in his hotel room. That would be absolutely terrible. Um, I don't know if he's traveling. I don't know what's going on. So what's a guy to do? Um, Kutch, he's got nothing better to do. So he's been very active on Twitter uh, just over the past couple of days. I counted. He's been tweeting pretty much nonstop 21 times since he got uh, the COVID, the Coco. Um, but yeah, what is he doing though? A fan asked him, how's he doing? Kutch responded to him on Twitter saying he's not doing very well. So he's not a baller. He's not asymptomatic. You know, that used to be the most badass thing in 2020. You know, yeah, bro, I got COVID, but I can still taste everything. Uh, Kutch, he's not doing so hot, but he's trying to stay in shape. He's doing push-ups 
nonstop. So this is just a bro's move. So uh, when you feel out of shape and, and you used to be kind of an athletic guy, kind of like me, I'm still in pretty good shape. But um, you try to cover up the dad bod the best you can. What do you usually do? Push-ups and sit-ups are your go-to. So Andrew McCutcheon, he's a superstar professional athlete. He's doing the same thing as you and me listening right now. He's just trying to, you know, keep the chest, keep the core tight. And he's just fucking doing push-ups and sit-ups on the floor in a hotel. So, yeah, that sucks. Kutchie's out 10 days. Probably won't be back until um, the Brewers are back in Milwaukee. Mike Brasso gets the call up to fill this void. And this is kind of a surprising thing when I first saw this, but after I dug into some more Keston Hira stats, I wasn't that surprised. Keston Hira gets sent down to AAA Nashville. So this happened before McCutcheon gets COVID. Okay, so if Kutch gets COVID, is Keston Hira still on the on the team if this would have happened, you know, a couple days later? Because Keston Hira is a guy that I would assume could fill this void at DH with Kutch gone. However, um, Keston Hira, he's struggled this season in 42 plate appearances. He's batting just uh, 216. Uh, his on-base percentage is 310. And he's only got two dingers. Like I mentioned before, um, I'm not sure who all listened to me say this. Because sometimes I'm talking and I'm saying all these good fucking points. And I'm just talking to myself. Keston Hira had a great, a fantastic spring training. What happens to him to start the season? Over the first two weeks of the season, he gets like, I don't know, 13 plate appearances. Once you're on a tear like that and the ball is looking like like a fucking grapefruit, grapefruit or a beach ball coming in, you got to keep the guy in there. You got to keep him sharp because after some time off the field, you're going to lose this this oomph, this superpower of um, seeing the baseball well. So he has a good spring. He's playing like old Kesson in 2020 now. He's not batting good. And the problem with Kesson is, is this consistency. So, yes, you see him play good in the spring, um, but you'd like to see a little bit more production batting, even if he's not getting consistency um, playing time and at the plate. So his K rate, it is up there. It is up there. So right now in baseball, um, it's okay to strike out a lot. You know, superstars like Aaron Judge, who just turned down a $200 million contract, his K rate is like 30, 33% of the time. You know, he's going to strike out pretty much at least um, one plate appearance a night. Um, that was frowned upon, you know, 10 years ago. Now it's okay. But, um, you know, 33% K rate, that's, that's still pretty high. His K rate this season is 47.6. 47.6. So almost half the time here comes to play, he strikes out. Um, also, another issue is his contact rate on pitches in the strike zone. This is a glaring concern, concern excuse me. Um, so the MLB average in this statistic is 84.2% hit rate on balls in the zone, okay? MLB average, 84.2%. Since 2020, Kessner ranks worst among MLB players with a minimum of 400 plate appearances. Kessner's contact rate 
is 64.4%. This is since 2020. He is the worst batter in the terms of contact rate. And it's not even close. It's not even close. No other MLB player with 400 play appearances um, have a contact rate under 70%. Sheesh. It's not like Keston's at 69% or 68%. He's at 64%. So sheesh. Sheesh. So for a guy who had so much promise, even just two years ago, you know, uh, COVID, kind of a throwaway season, that's when things really started to go south. But in 2019, Keston's rookie season, people forget he batted over 300. He was he was a really good player for us and really exciting. He was he was really good in MLB The Show 19 um, for all those gamers out there. But um, what should Keston do? He gets called down, and honestly, getting called down to AAA Nashville probably isn't too bad of a gig. Get to spend a lot of time in Nashville. I've never been there. Would like to go there someday. But um, so in general, what should you do if things aren't going well? So I looked up some stuff on the internet and this is what I found. Okay, so maybe Keston, he's just got a vent. He's just got a vent. You know, all these fucking pitchers, they're pitching all these crazy sliders and they're throwing 95 miles an hour and I'm striking out 47 0.2% of the time. You know, Keston's just got a vent. He, he's got to have a voice out there. Um, maybe what Keston needs to do is do something like what I'm doing. Start a podcast. Start just talk to yourself and your Subaru legacy. I hope he's got a better car than that. Not shitting on my car, but um, Keston, just vent. Start a podcast. Don't have your name out there. Maybe you'll get a couple people to listen uh, like me, but whatever. Um, other things Keston could do to kind of shake things up, shake things up, Keston, mix up your hairstyle. So kind of like a girl after a breakup, you know, it's tradition that girls after a bad breakup, they get bangs. And I don't know why this is such a huge thing, because in my opinion, bangs are hideous. But if this helps Keston kind of mix things up, get a little more swag in the box, I'm all for it. Okay. Maybe Keston Maybe you just got to watch seasons one through six of The Office in one day with a giant quart of ice cream. Maybe you got to get t- uh, face tattoos or matching tattoos with a buddy. Maybe just become a gym rat and be one of those guys who just sit on their ass on the bench and just hit chests and, and, and tries and, and buys just every single day. Um, maybe, Keston, maybe you just got to get really, really into Pilates, or maybe you just got to gain some weight, or you just pick up an instrument. You start playing the uke, you start making some TikToks, and you start making all the ladies be like, ooh, Keston, you play the uke? Could you play me a love song? And then you just whip out the uke, and then boom, you get all the girls. Keston, I just gave you a list. At least do a couple ones of these. Um, You'll be back in the majors in no time. Um, I, I talked about how good you were in spring. Um, hopefully you're back in the majors soon. I'm rooting for Keston. But when Keston does make contact, he really barrels up the baseball. So it's rare that he's been making this contact lately, but his hard hit rate is at 53.3%. That's pretty damn good. All right, so Hero gets sent down, um, and they send up Luis Perdomo. Reliever, Brewers are now maxed out at pitchers at 13 again. Um and Perdomo, he mi- missed uh, the entire season last year with Tommy John. So 
Uh, rooting for him in the pen as well. More Brewers news, okay? Um, this Mother's Day talk here. We're, we're going chronologically, okay? Springtime allergies are back. <laughs> so um, if this is your first time listening to this show, I usually do... Um, it's called three up and three down where I talk like Chris Boomer. Um, I use my boomer voice and I go through the games really quickly. You'll have to listen to, to my next podcast maybe so you could get a glimpse into the Ashby's, but Aaron Ashby does suffer from springtime allergies. So, uh, council, he said that Aaron, he could stay a part of this rotation for maybe even the entire month of May. So the brewers, they're kind of contemplating this six-man starter rotation, in my opinion. Um, if Aaron Ashby comes out and suffers from springtime allergies again and has poor command like he did on Mother's Day, um, I don't know if they're going to roll the six-man rotation. I think it all depends on Ashby's command because we know that Aaron Ashby, he's got the stuff. He's got the stuff. And for some of these young guys who, who throw hard, and, and Ashby's not a guy who throws in maybe – 88 or not 88 98 99 but he's throwing 96 97 he threw a sinker at 96 that was absolutely filthy but what's the achilles heel for pitchers you gotta command your pitches um so the command just was not there on mother's day so ashby's not able to get the win for the moms out there this is what ashby had to say after the game he said the command wasn't there for me today throughout the game um, they made me pay for it. Boy, they sure did. So he got six earned runs and just four innings pitched. Um, so yeah, big command issues. Uh, Ashby threw 43% of his 82 pitches for balls. So that's not good. Um, he had four walks. One walk ended up um, with the bases loaded, uh, scoring a Braves run. And one wild pitch that also played a run for the Braves. In the second inning is when things really got out of hand for Ashby. Uh, he threw seven consecutive balls in a row. And man, if I was a is a if I was a um a Braves hitter up there that second inning, I I'd keep the bat on my shoulder. You know, I played I played some hardcore backyard wiffle ball with um my guests from for this podcast today, Isaiah Lenz. I played a lot of wiffle ball with him as a kid, and I know that sometimes my stuff wouldn't be there as a wiffle ball pitcher. You know, I couldn't find the zone, and Isaiah would always know it, and he'd just stand there with with the bat on his shoulder and would fucking piss me off, but I couldn't blame him because all in all, if I'm pitching it not even close to the zone, why would you swing at it? Um, this was kind of the case for Ashby on Mother's Day. Um, but like I said before, he's got the stuff. He's got the stuff. He just needs to dial in this command. So, um, again, this is what Ashby had to say about this poor performance on Mother's Day. He said, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just trying to guess around on what I was doing. And it took Hooky, the pitching coach, coming out there and I had to make adjustments of my own. So he didn't really know what he was doing. Um, but he had to make an adjustment of his own, okay? So we've all been there. We have all been there. So pretty much what Ashby just said 
is he knew he was doing something bad and he knew he was fucking up, but he just did it anyways. He didn't know what he was doing. He was he was guessing around on, on the mound. So this is kind of like we could all relate to this. We've all done things like this, done something anyways, even though you knew you were wrong. So maybe you were in a hurry and you parked in a handicap spot for 30 seconds or I know I've done this. Maybe you took a dump in a handicap um, stall just because it's so spacious, right? I mean, in my opinion, if you got if you got two handicap stalls, I mean, I don't, I feel no remorse taking a dump in it. But if there's only one, yeah, I might feel a little bad. But all in all, sometimes I have to wait to take a shit on campus. People in wheelchairs, uh, yeah, you could also wait a little bit if I gotta take a dump as well. Um, that's just a little bit of comparison to that quote, but this is kind of a clap it up low key, a low key clap for Aaron Ashby. So he could have easily left after the second inning when he's just getting absolutely smoked. You know, he walked the eight and the nine hitters to get to Ronald Acuna Jr. Ever heard of him? The top of the order. So Ashby does show some balls in this outing. Okay. He didn't have his stuff today. But he, he mans up and he, and he stays in the game and he throws two more innings when he really could have just um, kind of meandered over to the dugout. Okay, so this is what Brent Suter had to say about the balls of stone of Aaron Ashby. So he's, he told him, I told him just now, the game kept on pushing you and pushing you and pushed you back. It easily could have been a real short day for you, but you kept pushing Back. And this has got to be a big confidence booster for Aaron Ashby, who, who's got the stuff um, to be a great player in the bigs. He's just trying to get it all figured out. To have a guy like Suter, um, who's been around the show for a long time now, he's got your back. So that's that's got to feel good for Ashby. But, um, yeah, so the Brewers are, are talking about keeping the six-man rotation. And this all kind of falls on the shoulders, in my opinion, of Ashby's command, like I said. So he could be a really impactful player for us if he could just sharpen up his locations on his off-speed pitches. And um, this is kind of similar to um, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta early in their career. So I remember Burns and Freddie, they they started their career from the pen for the, pretty much the same reason, especially Freddie. His command was all over the place, and, and he also developed some new pitches in the pen. So um, Ashby he doesn't need new pitches. He just needs to work on his command. So hopefully he's following the same blueprint as Burns and Freddie did because obviously they're fucking killing it now. Um, and also Ashby, he's got a, bro- he's got a competitor breathing down his back. Um, Ethan Small absolutely killing it in AAA. Um, he's knocking on the door to the bigs. Some Brewers fans are, are asking for him to get the call up. Maybe he'll get the call up. I know he probably will sometime this season, but his, he's got an ERA under two in 27 innings pitched in AAA with 37 strikeouts and an opponent batting average of 135. Wow. So we know the jump to the bigs is tough. Um, so we know Ashby, he could pitch like Sandy Koufax in the minors, but the bigs is just a different animal. So yeah, Ethan Small is kicking kicking some ass in AAA, but the bigs, whole different ball game. Ask Ashby, I, I guarantee you he'll say the big thing. So I'm, I'm sticking with the Ashby 
uh, take that uh, he just got a battle springtime allergies. So take some Claritin, Aaron. Um, I'm sure you'll pitch better in your next outing. All right, let's get to our interview today. We've got on Isaiah Lenz. He's a good friend, friend of the program, certified tall guy. Um, he's a basketball player at Wisconsin Lutheran, okay? He's um, only about a mile away from Miller Park, so he's been to a lot of games this year. want to get his opinion on some Brewers stuff. So without further ado, Isaiah Lenz. Today we have on a very special guest. It is Sir Isaiah Lenz. Yep. Isaiah, you are in your apartment in Tosa, right? Correct, correct. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how far away are you from Miller Park, just for the people who don't know? Yeah, yeah. I'm about uh, three quarters of a mile away. So when, when the place gets rocking, you can't really hear it, but, but it's runnable. It's runnable distance. Yes, yes, yeah. I walked there literally yesterday to the game. So. Yeah, so, so you're in Tosa right now. The Brewers are on a roll. What are the vibes like in Tosa? Uh, it's it's very upbeat. We kind of still are in the, the part, portion of the season where the bars around here aren't at full capacity yet, but you can tell people are people are out and about. Okay, because I know we got Bucks playoffs going on right now yep. as well. So the Brewers are just on a roll. I think the Bucks lost yesterday, so yep. it might be a net zero for, for fan vibes in Tosa, but – the Brewers, I think we have the best record in the NL right now. So, so yeah, and you've been to two games this season, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, you went to the game a couple weeks April ago. 15th, yeah, Jackie Robinson Day, and, Rob- and then again yeah. Yeah, last night. So Things did not go well on Jackie Robinson Day, right? That was an No, yeah, that was – and yeah. the, the funny thing is they were two uh, Freddie Peralta starts. And prior to last night, um, the last four Brewer games I've been to are, have been Freddie Peralta starts, and they've all been losses. Yeah. And that's just how it's worked. So last night, I really was looking to just end the curse of the Freddie Peralta just absolutely crapping the bad starts. But I, I feel like with Freddie Peralta, it's like you're playing roulette. You're either going to get oh, yeah. electric stuff like he did his major league debut, or he's just going to get absolutely shelled. And when he pitches, I don't know if you've watched him on TV at all this year, dude, but it's like when he's pitching, like it looks like he's sweating profusely and it seems like it would affect his pitching. Oh yeah. And the thing is like being in the stadium last night, it was like, I was chilly with a sweatshirt on like a hoodie. I was chilly. And that man was absolutely sweating profusely. So that, yeah, that was dude. just me. One thing I didn't know about Miller Park is there's no heating whatsoever. I don't even think they have – I mean, they have air conditioning somewhere. But I learned that the stadium is pretty much heated by the fans, so body temperature. So I, I, the crowd wasn't very big last night, was it? No, yeah. Upper decks was uh, pretty sp- – bars so yeah like i said we're just kind of in like the beginning it's still everyone's not out of school yeah, yet and so, everyone's still kind of focused on the bucks yet but yeah yeah um so maybe when freddie peralta starts the brewers just have to send out a message saying like hey guys we're only going to have five thousand people at this game we're going to close the dome so freddie does not or open it or open, we it. open yeah. the dome open yeah. The dome. yeah right now when it's still springtime okay so you went to jackie robinson day 
and then he went to the game last night. And for the people listening to this, it's going to come out on Monday. So what was the final score, Isaiah? It was, it was a whoop. I think it was eight, 18 to three. 18 and to three. Yeah, 18 to three. And the thing is, we, uh, the people I was with, they wanted to leave at the bottom of eight. So we left at the bottom of eight. And I Bro, think it was left thir- early. We left at the bottom of eight. I was with a group of eight people, and they yeah. did, they were basketball players, so they don't really want they, – they're not true baseball fans. But So we left – at that point, we had just seen um, them tack on even more runs, so it was well without – it was well out of hand for the Reds to come back. But anyways, I, I left, and I, like, I was energized. Like, yes, we absolutely just killed them 13 to 3. And then I look at my phone on the way back, and I hear even some more cheering. They tacked on five more runs, I think, in the bottom of the ninth, or the the the, or maybe it was the bottom of the eighth because we were on top of eight. So I was like, yeah. wow, like I couldn't even believe they added even. They they just kept on. They just kept scoring last night. Yeah, so. dude, they put in a, a position player. One of their outfielders came in, and he was throwing about sixty miles an hour. Um, dude. It, yeah, I think it was that inning you left. Rowdy Telez, he almost hit his second grand slam of the day. That must have been it. Bro. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it was like probably two feet from going over the fence. So that would have put him at what he's had six RBIs yesterday or something. He would have had ten. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's close he, to a major league record, I imagine. Yeah, so it almost definitely. is. And and I, I almost called it last year. I remember calling into a uh, certain uh, yep. sports sports uh, radio talk show after mm-hmm. our game, one of the games where we first got him. And I, I think I remember saying, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, I remember saying like telling the guy like, this man is going to be so good. Like you just look at him; he just yeah. passes the eye test. You- All American, grass fed. All of those superlative, like you could say grass, anything. Grass-fed beef. Gra- he, yes, exactly. And yeah. prime example last night of just what what his potential, like that is what yeah. we're looking for out of him. Yeah. Granted, think- it is the Reds, and they <clears throat> they were having trouble throwing to runners at second base. Um, yeah. At pickoff moves, but still. Yeah. No, I was with you in the car when we we always whenever we go to a game together. For the people listening, we always try to call in. Um, I forget what radio station is. It's Sports Talk. Uh, we always get on. And yeah, that was right. Yeah, yeah, twelve fifty. Um, but yeah, we always get on the radio. And now people are just starting to realize the potential of Rowdy Telez. He's just a total monster. Um, but so you went to. Mm-hmm. Two two polar opposites of the bell curve. You saw. The oh Brewers, yeah, really? Yeah, you saw the Brewers just get absolutely shelled. Did not look like they even deserved to be on the field. And then last night you saw the same thing, but it was from the opponent. The Cincinnati Reds just looked terrible. So, what mm-hmm. is one thing from the ass kicking that was a good thing? It, one takeaway from the one, ass. One takeaway. Like a good thing about the ass kicking. I I will say this. Suter. Yeah, the effort that that man puts into baseball. Um, I I don't know if people remember this play, but I think it was around eighth inning. Yeah, We're down. Really I th- at nine, that point. I think it was. Nine, it was nine. Yeah. It might have been the top of nine. Yeah, it was. It might have been the top I of nine. It off. I turned it off. And I was like. We're down nine to one, I believe. And Suter, I mean, this man 
full steam straight into the opponent's uh, dugout, that that kind of bar there that, that divides it, head just looking for the ball. I forget who was at bat, but full steam yeah. going for a pop-up into the railing. The ball goes into the dugout so he doesn't catch it, but he just nails and he's just sitting there on the ground. I mean, for a couple of minutes there, and I, I legitimately thought – this man has ended his career going yep. for a pop out down nine to one. Yep. Yeah. My, um, my parents were in the game the next day and he pitched the next day and he got an ovation when he came out. But yeah, the effort level from Brent Suter. Mm-hmm. Like, so we, we've all played sports. He reminds me of the guy on a sports team who's like really sucky, just not an athlete at all, but his dad's a coach and he tries really hard to be good, but he's just not, but he, he tries really hard. That's Brent Suter, but he's actually really good, and he just keeps. Oh playing. yeah, and he's. You know, I kind of I'm more I play basketball, so I, I think of you look at a, a team like the Bucks. I think that's why they're so good is the the effort that they put in every night, um, especially on the defensive end. And then you look at that play from Brent, and you go, "That's exa- if you want to win baseball games, they might not translate every night. You might." Nine to one, they lost that night. But that effort is the effort that you're looking for to, oh, yeah. to consistently bring to the bring to the team. It's just outstanding. You need guys like it that. Really is. Um, so on the flippity flop here. So what's one thing mm-hmm. from from the game you were at last night that you could think as a negative? Maybe not even baseball related. Just what's <laughs> one thing that? I mean, you guys left early, so you can't say that. But but what's one one no no thing about the ass whooping? One no-no thing about the ass whooping. Yeah. I would say there wasn't really. It was it was so bad. I mean, I was kind of thinking about it from like a Reds perspective, like as like a baseball fan. You look at a team like that, and this is a big. They are so not competitive right now. It's honestly yeah, dude. like it's. I don't understand from a from a GM. Pers- I'm. I was thinking about that during the game. I was like, I don't understand from like. I I don't know if you look I don't know the exact records whatever or like in going back in MLB history I know they're like three and 24 now or something yeah they are I don't know if there's been a worse start no has it I I talked about on my last podcast I'm looking for my notes here they so since the month of April was cut a week short they didn't qualify to have like the worst record of all time in the month of April, just because there weren't enough opportunities for them to lose, but they still lost 18 games in that month. The most amount of games a team has lost in the month of April, I think was 24. Wow. So they are right in with it. So if we want to count this first month of May as the month, the first week of May, the first, first week, week, of May, week and May. a half of May, if you add that on, yeah, we'll see what would have been if there wouldn't have been a lockout in the offseason. But, yeah, talking about how bad the Reds are. Do you see any Reds fans there? Were they? I saw. How are they holding themselves? Are they doing okay? No, yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I – one of my – I guess I went there with our, our whole basketball team, and a couple of the guys on the team are just, uh, like, Cubs fans. And, like, we had a couple of Rangers fans on our team, actually, too. Uh, so they were they were just there to watch some good baseball, and they were chirping everything. They were chirping the Reds and stuff. and they, But they were also chirping the Brewers. They were cheering for everyone, chirping everyone. But anyways, they were, they were chirping – one of the Brewers players one time, or they cheered. I think it was TJ Fidel had his first hit in MLB. 
think it was a triple down the line. And he, one of my buddies stood up and started cheering really loud. And there's like one Reds fan who like also stood up and started cheering so much so that he walked over like an entire section to come talk to one of the guy on my team who was cheering. Oh no, that's so sad. <laughs> so he comes over and talks to him and they have like a little chat about the Reds and like whatever. And they're like, Hey, like you're a Reds fan too. And he, he really wasn't a Reds fan, but like he, he just felt bad for this one Reds fan that was sitting here at the, the Brewers. That Reds fan is just like the dude when you're at a sporting event and your team's playing and you, you look around to give someone a high five and there's no one around and you had to walk yep. over a couple of sections. <laughs> it was an entire section. Sad. It was an entire section. We were in like 415 and this guy came over from all the way from like 417. He walked all the way across to like talk to him. <laughs> but <laughs> the only thing I could think of like compare the Reds to is it like a 2K team. We've all played video games before. They were the type of team, last year they had a lot of all-stars. They had a lot of talent. So if this was 2K, this is a team that you're just sick of. You got a lot of good guys, but you're just sick of the guys in your roster. And you ship everybody out for these prospects. And now they're just left with a skeleton of the team that they were last year. And, and they're just, just awful. Um, so you've been at two games. Have there been any streakers at all? Any streakers? Ah, uh, not that, uh, not that I know of. No, but going back to that Reds point, sorry, but I saw Mike. I when we were down there a little bit lower yesterday, I, I got a good look at Mike Mustakis, yeah. and just reminiscing that his t- from his time as a Brewer, and I thought, wow, he was just sitting there chewing his gum, whatever. He's making a ton of money, but like that, that's a tough spot to be. Like you yeah. know, like you've been at the height of baseball, and then. Just like I don't know where you go or what you're thinking when you're him. Like it's just because you're as a hitter, he's a DH. Like how do you? You have to feel kind of almost helpless because you watch your pitchers give up runs just yeah, like that. There's nothing you could do. And yeah, you really can't. If you're hitting home runs as a defense, as if as a defense, if your pitchers are giving up home runs, you really can't. You got to feel really, really helpless. Yeah, if I was a position player on the Reds, their team ERA, I heard on the radio just right before we started recording, their team ERA is above seven. So if I'm a position player on the Reds, I'm picking up a baseball, I'm going on the hill, and I'm practicing because you never oh. know when you're going to be called because you're going to get your butt kicked so much. You need position players to come in and pitch. But yeah, they, I. I I'm curious to reach out to hardcore Reds fans, maybe someone who does a podcast like me, and just ask how they're doing. Because, I mean, like, I talked a lot about them before the series started, the Reds, and I just feel bad for them now. Like, guys like Tommy Pham, the left fielder, like, he was a a Cardinal. No, yeah, you're solid. Like, like, he just seems super sad now. I mean, I don't know. It's a long season. And no, okay, for sure. What were you saying before then? What was your last question? No, no, the streakers. I was just curious. Oh, yeah. There was, there, was no, there was no streakers, but it was Star Wars Day yesterday. Yes. So there was yes. definitely some interesting characters. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. There was, there was like a, a Darth Maul, I'm pretty sure I saw. Um a female version of Darth Maul. So that was interesting. You saw a lot, saw a lot of like Jedi's walking around. And first, when you like first get to the stadium and you see like the first Jedi, it like 
because like i forgot it was may the 4th yeah for a second but then i remember and i was like oh yeah but like the first one you see you're like what the heck yeah (laughs) yeah i saw on the scoreboard they had like nicknames for all the players oh yeah that's the best part where they have all the nicknames uh christian yelich's guess what christian yelich's nickname was um I know Telez was Rowdy CP three O. I have no well, idea. Well, he was he was Rowdy D. He was Rowdy D two. Rowdy. Okay, that's a good one. I, what was yeah. Yelly? Yelly was um, the Mandalorian. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's funny. Um, uh, there was one other one that I thought was pretty solid. Oh, Lorenzo was. Uh, CP3 low. Okay. That's, that was pretty good. That's pretty punny too. Okay. So you're at the game yesterday. Um, I saw your Snapchat. Looked like you were pretty far to start the game. How many yeah. mountain goats were you away from the action? First pitch. We're talking mountain goats as our frame of, of units here. How this, many mountain goats? Yep. And I'm talking like, like um, – Montana mountain goats, the billy goats, the white ones. So you you're stacking them head to butt, head to butt. Yep, like they're laying all down. the way my straight as the crow flies straight down to the okay straight. Yep, like, um, we're not getting the hypotenuse either because I know that you're up a couple decks. I'm just I'm I'm curious about the length, not the hypotenuse. Oh, not the hypotenuse. Not okay, the hypotenuse. yeah, no the the actual like straight distance bottom. I would yeah, say like. <laughs> Gotta be like, I'd say around twenty-five mountain 25. goats. That's okay. That's pretty close. Cause then it looked like you you came up and, and you were like thirty. Yeah, 30 we went goats. Thirty so mountain goats. Thirty yeah. mountain goats to start the game. Where do you end the game? Couple of mountain goats. Just a couple. <laughs> from from the yeah, I was I was chirping uh, Luis at the end there. All right, so he was got- at third. He was at third the end of the game. I wasn't chirping him. I was just like, let's go, Luis. And he was like, I don't know. He was tying a shoe or whatever. And I think I said something about tying a shoe. Or I said, like, nice shoes because they were six shoes. He yeah, have dude, shoes. last night he was um, – I, I didn't look at the box score yet, but he'd, he'd only – like had I don't know eight plate appearances and he got on base like six times. The dude. Just- no, yeah, he's he's been he's been cooking. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully that will continue. But so you start off the game thirty mountain goats away. You end two mountain goats away. So you got twenty eight mountain goats closer to the action. That's always a yes. good. That's no, yeah, a really good thing when you go to games. That's spring baseball for you. Yeah. So two. Yeah. And two mountain goats away, I'd say that's one cartwheel. So you're really close to the action. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So for the people out there, Isaiah, you're pretty tall. Isaiah's a tall guy. Yeah, pretty tall. Whenever I have tall guy questions, I'm going to call you on this podcast. And so are there any accommodations Miller Park needs or American Family Fields needs for tall guys? Because I remember in 2018, Mm -hmm. you went to a baseball game. We, it was jam-packed right after the trade deadline, and we're playing the Dodgers, and they just got Manny Machado. And we had to walk out, like, fourth deck away from everybody so you could stretch your legs out. <laughs> Is there anything else that's tough for well- you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's like when it's packed. Like it wasn't yeah. very pa- it wasn't very packed last night. So like what I do is I just put my feet on the chair in front of me and it's actually not it's a pretty solid arrangement. Like if I just put my feet on the chair in front of me, yeah. I can stretch out just fine. So okay. yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. I was worried. Okay, so 
So there's a lot of change going on in baseball right now. And there's a lot of tall guys mm-hmm. in baseball. There we got Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani's a tank. We got Telez. He's right in that group with him. He's 6'4, like 260. Mm-hmm. Big guy. So in basketball, the sport you are most familiar with, tall guys, really good for the zone, right? You got a tall point guard. You want to take up some space on the floor, right? Yeah. Kind of rove so, around. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of rove around. Um, so with the, the shift is probably going to be banned in a couple of seasons, maybe even. Next yeah. Year. That's what I saw. I was yeah. talking to my buddy about that, but I wasn't sure. Cause I thought it might've gotten banned this season, but continue. Yeah. yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be banned probably next off season. I am a kind of surprised with the CBA and stuff. It didn't get um, banned this off season, but you are the future of baseball here because the shift will get banned. And baseball will need tall guys like you to cover space, kind of like a zone in basketball, right? Do you? Mm-hmm. Do you get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? I think I'm ready. I will say this: um, with the Mike Mustakis last night, I don't know if you saw the hit that he had. They were playing a massive. Um, they were positioned all the way over down the the first baseline and he kind of did like a half swing I guess in golf we'd refer to it as like a a punch shot where he kind of didn't swing all the way through um and just put it down the line on the the third baseline there's no one there so I guess um for that like for the shifts you really that's what I kind of like about them because it requires guys like that to get creative and I think that's that's more fun for the game because when I saw him do that that's that's actually really impressive to me to be able to do that and change your game up that way and fun play no yeah it is it's it's a it's like it's cool to watch too because you're like wow like I really like he just completely threw off the defense they thought they were gonna have him like position perfectly but he he completely out yeah. defense the and defense pretty much you don't see guys bunt all that often at all so when a guy lays down a bunt when there's a massive shift like that it's a big thing no but, yeah for sure but yeah I, I i could imagine the shift will probably be gone in a couple of years in major league baseball they're going to be calling guys like you six foot seven to take up space around the field because i mean with your wingspan you're taking up space no yeah that's like the shift i go play for space you're you're playing the the space game here um i'd be like a designated fielder yeah or just one more hot take here for me um so i say you were kind of a fisherman right yeah you dabble right i dabble so one thing i know about fish and i don't fish at all um but i know like bass right that their heart rate stays really low and and they're they're i think they're Mm cold-blooded and but when they need to attack and they're really lethargic for most of the day but when they need Mm -hmm. to attack and they're hungry they snap they're quick oh yeah they got fast twitch muscles so I think that MLB has to start training like these fish, right? You got to be quick. Okay. In soccer, you see guys um, running around the field or or trying to pace the amount of steps they get. You know what I mean? So I think what Craig Council should do is maybe limit the amount of chatter going on in the dugout and just stay really still. So then when the guys get on the field, their fast twitch muscles are just – 
totally dialed in, just like a fish. So you want them that that could work, no, or like no wasted energy, or like a cheetah almost, like a cheetah. Kind of yes, thing. they have a lot of fast twitch muscles. They they sit there in the grass and they just wait. Yes, yes. Maybe and then when they fielders claws up when it's time to yeah eat the yeah. prey to get the prey. I will say this though too. Like, what are they supposed to do? Just sit there and not speak to anyone? Maybe a little bit, but but they should have, like, heart rate monitors on and not allow their heart rate to get over a certain amount. Or I like that idea where they're in the outfield. You see cheetahs. My dog does this, too, even, where she'll just get ready to pounce, and they'll just lay there. Like, there so you want there. everyone in the dugout yes. to just be laying there. Yes, dude. <laughs> yes. No waste of energy. All calories burned during the game should go towards – productive baseball gotcha this is where we could really start taking advantage over teams like billy bean style way back in the day but uh i i think that's oh one last thing about the game last night do you know front row amy right yep okay i don't know if you you know this but she was at the game last night Yes. Could you feel the buzz? Was there was there a the buzz, buzz around the atmosphere? Like like something's different about this game. I just don't know. Um. Well, my buddies on the basketball team wanted to go down and talk to her, so I don't know if that's a buzz. They were definitely talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. One of them was literally about to do it, um, but he, he ended up. Well, he did something else. He. <laughs> He, there's these girls in the front row and they like walked out at the seventh inning and they like walked up the stairs or whatever right and he's like oh I gotta go talk to him so then he, he jumps out of his seat and he starts walking kind of almost jogging up the stairs after them and and he's like I gotta go get him and then everyone that like saw him do this like started cheering for him as he was wa- running up the, the stands <laughs> Cheering on a bro. But yeah, there's definitely, I could feel a vibe. There's definitely a vibe. Okay, that's good because like, Burrow Amy's a big personality and you know, like you see big UFC fights and like, oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, like all the celebrities will show up. Like Aaron Rodgers showed up to the box playoff game a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Front row, when front row Amy shows up, it, it's got to be a big game. I mean, she shows up to a lot of games during the season, but mm-hmm. she's undefeated this year. I, I've watched she most is. Of the games. She's been to three or four games and she's, oh, wow. she's still undefeated. So let's, I'm happy there was a buzz around. No, yeah, there definitely was. All right, so every um, Thursday show, I always do a animal fight, and I haven't researched this one yet. <laughs> I haven't done any research, but I okay. think this is a pretty even fight. And you've seen all the Star Wars, right? I literally just watched Star Wars last night okay, after the game. Good. So, so you all right? The one where so, Anakin gets yeeted. Okay. So this is the fight today. It is. Five hungry Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Okay. Versus one of those Star Wars like tank things that are, it's like, it looks like a dog and they have long legs. You know what I mean? Okay. An AT, AT or whatever? I don't know what it's called yet. I, I'm going to do more research after this, but. Okay. Who do you think wins? And, and this thing has, has like. Oh, are you talking about those huge ones that were on the Battle of Hoths? Yes. Okay, yeah. I might even say instead of five T-Rexes, I'll say 10. 10 T-Rexes against one of those huge yes. tank looking dog things. Okay. And I'll say that that thing has two cannons going. So it's not like. I yeah, don't know yeah. You can't. It doesn't shoot a lot because, I mean, if you had a lot of guns in it, it would just kill all the T-Rexes right away. No, yeah, for sure. I, 
The T Rexes, I mean, gotta be T Rexes are big, Actually, but I just not even ten. I'll say six, six, T-Rex. six, six T Rexes. Yeah. I would think that the T Rexes would have a hard time. Um, I mean, getting close to that thing. That thing can fire off pretty rapidly. You've probably got about five people manning that thing. T Rexes are gonna have a hard time scaling the legs. Yeah. Like Anakin, or not Luke. Luke, he like r- wrapped the legs of them and then tied it down, and they fell over in that one yes. battle. Um, but I think the T Rexes would have a hard time entering the actual compartment where the people are, and so like they they'd have to do a lot of like bashing of the legs and whatnot. I don't, I just I would have to take the the uh, big dog Star Wars okay. things or the T Rexes. <laughs> I'm I'm on the other side with you. So I, I, I've done three of these and I think every time I've selected the smaller animal. So the T Rex okay. is definitely a lot smaller. And we know in football, low man wins. These, low low man wins. Low man wins. So the T Rex is gonna get under that thing's shoulder pads. But I think I think if if they scripts together a, a good play, you know, they call a timeout, the coach comes out, they run a good out of bounds play in basketball or something. Yeah, yeah. If they could get to that thing's legs and trip it over so it falls over. Yeah. Teamwork. You'd have and then you just wait them out. Wait them out and you just, just pound them. Because they're gonna get hungry at some point. They're gonna need some it's air. It's like T-Rex exactly. is gonna eat them. You're doing like a, a siege almost of this this dog thing. Yeah. The other thing are the are the T Rexes like cognizant? Can they think? Can they plan out? Yeah, because I know T Rexes. The other guys bad. where Will Ferrell's like, I'm a tuna and I'm gonna come out and like, we're gonna hunt you down. And then once I know the smell of lion, we're gonna we're gonna form like a land bridge or a water bridge to go and hunt you. Like, are these animals? Please. These T Rexes graduated from Cornell with oh, wow. like Yeah. So they're, okay. they're quite smart. Then I might have to take the T Rexes. I might have to take the T Rexes then. What about the people on the eight on the, the dog thing? Are they graduates from Cornell? No, I'll say they went to a um an all women's school gender studies kind of kind of thing maybe no so, I'll, I'll say okay. i'll say they both went to an ivy league school they both went to ivy league school. yeah they, they both probably still learn gender studies but probably um, not as much yeah <laughs> okay i i think i'm still gonna take the dog thing just because the t-rex against that metal has got to be tough yeah it's got to be tough to bite through and, and the T-Rexes will probably get pretty worn out after a while, I'd imagine. Yeah, I would so, imagine. Yeah, so um, this podcast will be out on Monday. So um, whoever's listening to this, I'll have a poll out by then. But, yeah, Isaiah, thanks for joining us. Ready. We'll Thank you, you for having again. me. Great questions. Yes, we will have you on again when I need tall guy answers, okay? Okay, gotcha. All righty. Thanks for joining. See ya. See ya. All right, so that interview with Isaiah Lenz actually might be brought to you by somebody. So we finally got enough listeners to the point where Anchor and Spotify, they're allowing me to get some ads. So I'm not sure if they're going to throw one in here. I'm not really sure how that works, but yeah. All right, now let's get to our uh, news from around the league. I'm, I'm only going to cover a couple of stories here. If I try to cover everything I missed in the past week, I'd be on here for hours, okay? So we got Wilson Contreras. He's a scumbag. So if you missed it, Let's let's take you through it. So it's the top of the fourth inning. Runners on first and third. Um, Steel, that guy who only pitches two pitches, um, wears two chains for it. He's pitching for the Cubs. Throws one in the dirt in front of home plate. 
Wilson blocks the ball with his chest, but it ricochets off his chest protector, and the ball kind of trickles behind uh, the batter, Max Muncy, okay? Wilson Contreras, he gets up in a hurry. Uh, while he's getting out of his crouch, he's taking off his catcher's mask and kind of in one fluid motion while he's dropping his his catch, catcher's mask, he also nut taps Max Muncy. And um, yeah, if you saw this video, there's absolutely zero chance that this was done on accident. This was done with violent intent. Uh, Wilson Contreras tee this man up. It was totally unnecessary. Um, so let's just hope Wilson grabs the right balls next time. And, and Max Muncy was not wearing a cup. Uh, Wilson Contreras, is he the Nandamakan Sioux of baseball? No respect for the game. This was totally Bush League. Uh, one thing I do have to say, Nandamakan Sioux, total badass. Wilson Contreras, total scumbag. Big difference there. Um, early in the season, I talked about how, um, I kind of miss the old Chicago Cubs, not the fact that they'd win a lot. I love this new Cubs team because they don't win a lot. Um, but they don't have any personalities I'm used to. And and when I watch the Cubs, I, I like hate watching the Cubs. Okay, I like angry watching Brewers-Cubs games. And it seems like they, they just don't have any enemies. Um, so Wilson Contreras, he was one of my big nominees to start this year. And after... Um, um, punching Max Muncy in the balls. Uh, I, I think he's totally deserved that role. All right, let's keep it rolling. So the Yankees, they're playing the Rangers. Uh, Yankees, they hit a, a walk-off home run from Glaber Torres. Okay, this is what uh, Rangers manager Chris Woodward had to say about this walk-off home run. Small ballpark, that's it. Out um, in 99% of ballparks, so um, you know the wind was wasn't helping today, obviously. But you know, just three one count, probably get a you know, King is one guy that you put him back out there, you're like, okay, he's not gonna give up a homer. Uh, just happened to hit it in a little league ballpark, you know, to right field. All right, so Glaber Torres, he plays in a little league ballpark, apparently. I mean, um, I, I did watch this home run. I, I would say this, okay, there is a short porch at Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, I talked a couple episodes about the short porch and Rizzo, he's really taken advantage of um, of these easy kind of dingers that he could hit, especially as a lefty. Um, but Torres, his home run traveled 369 feet, 369, nice. And it would have been a home run in 25 out of 30 MLB ballparks, okay? So so what did we learn from this? Chris Woodward, not a big math guy. So 99% of um, ballparks, okay? For that to be true, there's got to be 100 MLB ballparks. There's, there's, only, there's only 30. I mean, the numbers just, just don't match up at all. Um, on the flippity flop here, this is what uh, the Yankees manager had to say about uh, Chris Woodward's comments, okay? 
between games, Chris Woodward said that Glaber's home run would have not been out of 99% of ballparks, and he called this a, a little league ballpark. Do you have any reaction to that? <laughs> not really. <laughs> Susan. His math's wrong. 99% is impossible. There's only 30 parks. Between games, Chris Woodward. All right, so Chris Woodward, not a big math guy. Um, Woodward does apologize the next day. He just gets absolutely dunked on on, on Twitter by from Na- Yankees fans and just pretty much everybody. Um, so my guess is that Woodward, he didn't get his wife anything super, super nice for Mother's Day. You know, he got his wife flowers and, the, and maybe some chocolates, but that's about it. You know, no fancy dinner, no nothing when, when your guy with probably a decent amount of money. Uh, maybe your wife is expecting a little bit more. But Chris Woodward, in the back of his mind, he's like, okay, I fucked up. I fucked up. I didn't get anything that my wife's going to like for Mother's Day. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bank. I'm going to put all the money in the bank that the Rangers, that we are going to win today. And then I could go home to my wife and be like, hey, babe, I got this win for you, you know, Rocky Balboa style. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was kind of kind of a funny storyline. Um, you know what? We've only got one more story to cover here. Um, this is from Intentional Talk on MLB Network. Great show, Kevin Millar, hilarious. They had on Rowdy Telez. Um, just just the the boys in the clubhouse. They they're getting along very well. Uh, so this is just a quick story from a Sir Rowdy Telez. Yeah, you have the best name in baseball. If you had to choose another name, what would it be? Well, Kutch, Kutch started calling me, started calling me Gru from Despicable Me because I got no hair and I got little legs. So I got I, I, I to dress up as Gru. Um, they got me a Gru costume and I guess I have to dress up as Gru and um, I got to pick my, pick my minions to dress up with me and then I got to walk around all day and get on the plane in my... Oh. Which I'm all for. I think it's hilarious. Anybody gets a good laugh out of it. I mean, why not? Oh, man. Yes. All right. So, um, Roddy Telez, he's got his nickname. It's Gru. So, if, if you've seen Debicable, Despicable Me, you know the main character. Um, I think it's, he's, it's voiced by Steve Carell. But, uh, yeah, he's got a big, fat belly, super, super skinny legs. And one of the first things I kind of noticed in the back of my mind when I started watching Rowdy Tellez play last year is the fact that he's a big dude, but if you just look at his legs, it looks like he's like could be like a speedster. Um, his legs just don't match his body. So that was just um, just a funny story I wanted to bring up, okay? Um, quickly here. Um, I got some call them up and send them down. All right. So I am calling up allergies. Allergies are back. Um, if you suffer from springtime allergies, it's not a fun time for you. And, and this year it's really been just kicking my ass because here in Eau Claire, it's been fucking cold. And then all of a sudden it's, it's up in, in the eighties now. And now all the trees are are budding and, and blooming the flowers and a lot of pollen in the air. So 
I've got a case of the Ashby's. I've been sneezing quite a bit. It's not been a fun thing. And I am sending down pants. Pants getting the call down to the miners. And this time, it should be for good. So I've, I've called up pants and I've called down pants. Now I'm calling uh, down pants again. Okay. I'm calling up grocery stores. Grocery stores um, are a good thing. Okay. Getting groceries is even better of a thing. You, you go to the grocery store, you spend a hundred bucks on food. It's going to last you at least a week or two. If you, if you play it smart, at least I'm calling up grocery stores because I need to go to the grocery store. So I am a broke college student. And for some reason, I think that I could, uh, tough, tough out these last two weeks of classes without going to the grocery store for about a month. Okay. So lately, um, I do have food at home. It's just terrible food. It's food that's been in the refrigerator for months that I don't want to eat. And, and I got rice and oatmeal and things like that. But I, I don't want to live like that. And I've been um, eating out way, way, way too much. So going on a quick trip, getting a quick bite to eat. If you add it up all the times I've, I've ate out, it's probably way more than it would have been if I just would have gone to the fucking grocery store. So I'm calling up grocery stores. I'm probably going to go maybe later today. And I am calling down finals week, finals week, getting the call down. If you're a college student and you're listening to me, you hate this week. Um, so for me, I've only taken nine credits this semester. So this was a big reason why I even started this podcast about a month ago is because I, I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do this. I've got a lot of time on my hands, but now for some reason, all of my professors, they've teamed up together and, and they are just kicking my ass. I'm only taking nine credits, but in the past week for classes, I'm only in four classes. I've done five different presentations. It's been absolutely bizarre. Um, so yeah, that's the reason why um, I'm going one podcast a week, and that's the reason why I'm not doing three up and three down to start the podcast. So the rest of the podcast um, all together probably takes me, you know, an hour, hour and a half sometimes to like talk through and, and sometimes I fuck up. So I got to go back and, and do it over again. But um, three up and three down, the way I usually start my shows just that segment, it sometimes takes me an hour, hour and a half to to find things that I, I want to talk about from from all the games and then give guys some nicknames and, and use some context stuff to kind of make it a little funny. So that takes a long time. So I'm cutting that for the next couple of weeks as well. I'm calling up U-Hauls. U-Hauls. So um, on Twitter, I saw this video it took place in Florida. Um, it's just a typical Florida interstate and there are just U-Hauls, U-Hauling all around. People are moving into Florida, moving out of Florida. Um, not really sure which direction they were going. I hope that they were moving out. That place is crazy. Uh, but U-Hauls, it's moving time. They are back and I'm calling down the Dragonfish, the Dragonfish. Really cool name. Um, so this is a type of fish. It's found about a thousand feet below um, sea level, okay? And in more than 27,000 hours of video, 
um, scientists, they've only seen this particular species four times. Um, just one thought. If you've only seen a species four times ever, how does it earn the nickname dragonfish? Dragonfish, super cool, super, super cool nickname um, for a fish that's only been spotted four times. And it looks like a little torpedo. It doesn't look like anything super special. It's just a little torpedo, gets about seven inches long. Um, but yeah, if they could find this little tiny fish four times in the fucking huge ocean that we have, oceans, then scientists, they definitely know whether or not if aliens are indeed colonizing the ocean floor. Okay, so there's, there was a video about a year ago of this pilot up in a Boeing 737, you know, 30,000 feet above the Pacific. And you see this um, arrangement of weird flying objects below near the surface and of, of the ocean, and then they just disappear. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of out there that maybe aliens, they're colonizing on the ocean floor. So, um, yeah, if that's the case, scientists should know this because they found this tiny fucking fish that doesn't even look that cool. It, it does have really cool looking teeth, though. I will say that. Um, one more. I'm calling up cocaine. So over a thousand pounds of cocaine was found in a Switzerland coffee warehouse. It's a lot of cocaine. It's like $50 million dollars worth of cocaine it's a lot and i'm calling down body farts body farts so like i said before been eating out a lot yesterday i got taco bell i usually don't get taco bell my girlfriend just mentioned that she had tacos for lunch or something and it made me want to get tacos so i go to taco bell i i order five soft shell tacos two of the little dessert rolls and two of the cheese roll-ups. I was starving and I ate them all super, super fast. Uh, probably looked super disgusting for my girlfriend, but I did most of this while I was driving, um, which is also pretty impressive. But body farts. So after I ate these tacos, I had to give a presentation for a class. I'm sitting in my, in my room, kind of practicing it, prepping myself for it. Um, and, and I realized that I go to the bathroom and I can't poop. I'm constipated. I can't even fart. I go back, I sit down in my room and I just kind of smell myself. And after eating Taco Bell, I feel like my body just kind of absorbs that stench and it just kind of swells out of my pores because I smelt like I farted, but I didn't fart. My body just, just stunk. It just stunk from the Taco Bell. So, so yeah, body farts getting called down. It was kind of a gross thing. But uh, that's all I got for Call Up Sunday Down. Let's do um, Vic's Picks. All right. You know what time it is. We always end our podcasts. Vic's Picks. Vic's Picks. If you're a new listener, this is the segment where uh, it's kind of goofy, but I'll pick two animals maybe, and it's a hypothetical animal fight. You know, Michael Vick, you know what he's famous for. This is just hypotheticals, so nobody's going to get in trouble. We got a great fight for you today. Let's talk about it, okay? It is six Tyrannosaurus Rexes 
versus, I'm going to have to look at my papers. I don't know how to pronounce this thing. Versus an all-terrain armored transports, okay? Six T-Rexes versus one all-terrain armored transports from Star Wars. All right, let's dive deeper into this fight. All right, um, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, big dinosaur guy. Uh, last summer, me and my girlfriend, we went out to Montana uh, for just a hiking trip. We went to Glacier National Park. And if you've ever drove through even South Dakota or um, Montana for sure, they pride themselves about their dinosaurs. There's, there's dinosaur shops all over the place, side of the highways, everywhere. It's just fucking crazy. I don't know why I just saw that. But six Tyrannosaurus Rexes, okay? Let's talk about him. He is the challenger. They have 60 razor-sharp banana-shaped teeth, okay? And one thing that you might think about dinosaurs in general and maybe even a Tyrannosaurus Rex is you might think that they're just fucking idiots. You know, they got the muscle, but they're just they're just gym rats. They don't really have the brain for it. This could not be farther from the truth as T-Rexes. They have a brain that's actually twice the size of carnivores at the time that are near their size, okay? So it's very rare that you got a big animal that's not a knucklehead. Um, so T-Rex, not a knucklehead. I'm going to say that this um, specific T-Rex graduated with maybe a lesser degree from an Ivy League school like Cornell. So maybe like a women's study or, or I don't know, some easy peasy fucking degree, even though Cornell is very prestigious. I get that. All right. Some cons about the T-Rex. It's got tiny fucking arms. It's, it, it's just a waste of space. It's pretty much a no factor in this fight, especially against um, the Star Wars armored vehicle here. Um, but the biggest thing that these T-Rexes have is their bite force. It's the highest recorded bite force of any um, anything that's lived. And this is just estimated, obviously, but the estimated bite force is at 14,000, correction, not 14,000, 140,000 PSI of bite force. This is enough bite force to easily crush a car with its bite. Um, and a T-Rex, they have a maximum running speed of 17 miles per hour, which isn't very fast. Um, but yeah, that is your challenger, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And there are six of them. And now you're defending champion. Uh, okay. <laughs> The all-out terrain armored transport from Star Wars. Um, I picked this because, you know, since my last podcast, May the 4th Be With You, the Brewers had their Star Wars theme. Um, so it was just on my mind. And I haven't seen much of the Star Wars series. I think I've maybe seen one. But one thing that I do know about Star Wars are these fucking huge armored transports. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look, look it up. They're these huge robots that just look like like they're big dogs on wheels, right? They slowly move. They got the big turret thing shooting stuff. Um, all right, let's talk about some stats from this thing. Some dork made this website about all the Star Wars um, vehicles and weapons and shit. So this is where I got this information here, okay? Uh, this all-armored um, transport 
stands at 22 and a half meters tall, and it was used by the Imperial Army in a fictional movie, okay? Uh, so if you know what I'm talking about, you know it looks like a big animal. It's got a head. Um, this head thing kind of serves as the cockpit and could move at 90 degrees to either side. And to me, this is a big glaring weak point for this um, massive transport armored vehicle from Star Wars. So um, if, if the T-Rexes want to get a, a bite into there, obviously they can't reach it because it's so tall. That's it's It's a weak spot for it, okay? So you might ask me, does this all armored transport, does it have guns? Fuck yeah, it does. It's got a TAM and Bach MS-1 fire-lined heavy laser cannons. And this is in parentheses for slower, more cumbersome targets. Okay, so you want to use the, the Bach MS-1 fire-linked heavy laser cannons for more cumbersome targets. And two linked medium repeating blasters mounted on each side of the head. Okay, this is in parentheses too. Designed for lighter, agile targets. So, it's, I mean, the maximum running speed, we're talking about the, the T-Rex now. I'd say that's pretty agile if you're running 17 miles an hour. Uh, maybe if the T-Rexes get tired, maybe um, the clones in this all-armored transport from Star Wars, maybe they'd use the Bach MS-1 fired link heavy laser cannons. So... That's just my prediction. So the two sets of weapons could be used independently or rotated to engage in multiple targets at once. However, the AT-AT's head, which I talked about before, um, could move between um, left, right, center, um, could rotate and fire a heavy laser at a big velocity. So we're talking about the nose of this fucker could really unleash hell with these lasers. Um, the Walker's Strong External 9095-T8511 grade um, Durasteel armor was virtually um, indestructible in, in previous battles. It's, it's the heaviest of any artillery weapon in the Star Wars series, okay? Uh, the most vulnerable part of the Walker is its flexible neck, which was susceptible to laser blasters. Um, if punctured, it could lead to a reactor breach. Although it was considered an unlikely scenario, it nonetheless was considered potentially potentially catastrophic. Okay, so uh, if the T-Rexes are able to to get this kind of cockpit area of the head of this beast, it's it's a no-go. Uh, also, it's got big fucking legs. What do you know about things with a high center of gravity? It's prone to tripping, okay? Uh, it, and if this thing trips, it'll be left defenseless. But let's say the T-Rexes do make this thing tip in, in this, this all-armored transport um, is on its ass. I'm going to say the clones could go out and fight this thing itself. Um, so I'm going to pretend that this thing is only manned by five clones. So if the T-Rexes are able to... Um, make this thing fall down, they will have to defeat the five clones. But one thing I do kind of assume about these clones is that they're kind of fucking pussies and they, they're not real smart. So if this all armored transport does fall down because the T-Rexes do rally around together, 
Um, I think that these clones may coward and self self pity in the cockpit, and I don't think they have the balls to go out and fight this big thing. Um, so, what do you think? Um, I'll have a poll on my Twitter. Make sure you follow us at bitc underscore podcast again. This is six T-Rexes versus one all-terrain armored transport that is manned by five fucking idiot clone troopers, okay? Um, Let me know what you guys think. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. You will hear my lovely, um, beautiful, masculine voice again in about a week. Uh, Finals was coming up. I'm going to Florida, so I will probably do one more podcast. just once a week. So I'll be back to going uh, two per week here shortly. Thank you for listening. Go Brewers. Um, Deuces.